All right, I got a little bit of a story for you. Uh, something funny happened to me while I was playing a game this past week. I was playing against a one Don player, so a couple stones stronger than I am, and uh, so I, I had a couple of handicap stones, and, you know, the game was going relatively normally, and as we entered into the mid-game, um, he writes to me some funny comments in the chat. He says, You think you are going to win? Well, guess what? I am going to win. And I i mean, th this wasn't in like a particularly notable part of the game. It was just, you know, normal moves being played. And it was very random. And so I was just kind of taken aback. I put a question mark in and I said, that's a very weird thing to say. <laughs> and I just, you know, decided, you know, I would ignore everything else they would say from that point on and just play the game. Uh, only to get another message that said... Sorry, my children. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I, I just kind of said, okay, no worries. I mean, as long as it's, you know, it's not truly any uh, real BM there, uh, that's fine. It was just a little funny moment that I had, though, uh, which made me kind of wonder, like, how are the kids chatting on your account while you're playing? Maybe they're logged in on, like, an iPad or something, and they they, they go in and uh, chat while you're playing, because they were, they were chatting in between moves, and... Uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that story with you. <laughs> well, welcome to Start Point, the show about Go for Go fans away from the board. And today I'm going to teach you how to read. Well, maybe not teach you how to read, but we are going to talk about reading. Uh, and this episode idea was inspired by a listener who comments, uh, Plixic716, who uh, previously uh, commented, uh, and I'll read a little snippet of what they said. Reading was an absolute mystery to me when I first started playing. It seemed impossible to visualize more, more than two stones and like strong players has some magic ability to see into the future. I'm sure there are a lot of interesting thoughts on this subject and people are probably view it very differently. And so with that comment, I thought, you know what, let's talk about reading. And I know what you mean, Plixic. Like, I know what that feels like because I remember... One time I got a review from a mid-dawn player and they answered one of my questions by giving me a 20-move variation and it just came naturally to them to just put 20 moves on the board. And I'm just like, I don't, I can't follow this. I, I, this is not something um, that I, I can really understand what you're trying to say here because there's so many moves and I can't read that far. And to be fair, it's easy to forget what it's like to be a beginner. It's easy to forget what we were once like just a few ranks below. When I look at a go board, there are many things that I can see that just come naturally to me that I don't have to think about and things that are very obvious and you can skip over those things. But try teaching a beginner how to play go. And I think, you know, this is something that I've experienced. You'll often find yourself skipping over a lot of concepts that you have embedded into your being and now take for granted and there's a lot of building blocks that take um, that that you need in order to build up to the level that you are and reading is something like that and before you know before i talk about reading let me read to you a little uh excerpt from the book tesuji by james davies 
And because the first chapter is about reading. The first chapter, the, the book starts off with an introduction on what reading is and why reading is important. And so let me read a little bit of a, a one of the paragraphs here in the beginning of the book. A good player tries to read out such tactical problems in his head before he puts the stones on the board. He looks before he leaps. Frequently, he does not leap at all. Many of the sequences his reading uncovers are stored away for future reference and, in the end, never carried out. This is especially true in a professional game, where the 200 or so moves played are only the visible part of an iceberg of implied threats and possibilities, most of which stays submerged. You may try to approach the game at that level, or you may, like most of us, think your way from one move to the next as you play along, but in either case, it is your reading ability more than anything else that determines your rank. Um, and so again, that's by James Davies in his excellent book called Tesuji. And reading is important. What is reading though? In chess, I think they refer to it as calculation, but essentially reading is just looking at the board and imagining the different black and white stones that could be played in response to each other without actually playing a single stone. It's your imaginative ability to see into the future and try out uh, many different possibilities. Kind of like, you know, that scene in um, Avengers with Doctor Strange interacting with all those different uh, possible outcomes. And so reading is essentially just looking at the consequences of your actions and finding the best and moves and the ones that make most sense and seeing which action you want to take uh, given the consequences that you have discovered in your head. And it's a very, very difficult skill that needs a lot of practice. And everything I know about practicing your reading comes from, and I've mentioned this channel before, Paduk Doctor. His Road to Be Done player series in on YouTube is essentially just a collection of videos that have a bunch of life and death and Tsuji problems. But while you go through those videos and you try those reading problems out, he will oftentimes interject and coach you through and tell you about how you should be approaching these problems. And he has a lot of strong opinions on how you should be training reading. One of the opinions that he has that he has mentioned multiple times throughout the series is that you shouldn't click through software like or, or reading problems in like a Sumego um, app or something like that without thinking. And he considers that to be poison to just kind of try out moves. Uh, and this is something that I think that a lot of people uh, approach or this is a way that a lot of people approach reading problems at first, right? You look at, you're like, okay, I'm going to start doing some some Tsumego. I'm going to do, do some life and death. And they open up the app and then they see this problem. And they say, oh, that look, that move looks good. And they tap on that first move they think of because it looks like a very cool Tsuji move. That might be the answer. And you might even get it right. The computer will play the other move and you will play the next move. And you may even get a check mark and say, hey, you, I solved it. But what Baduk Doctor says about this is that um, this will create bad habits and you will learn not to read if you just click before you think. 
And he emphasizes completely read out as many variations as you can before you try to submit a solution. And he his value is in paper and pencil kind of problems or on the board, right? Set it up on the board and just look at the board. That way you can't click with your mouse. You have to use your brain. And this is something that he always says. He says, use your brain. Um, but this is the way that he teaches you to approach reading problems. And it's very difficult, especially at first. I remember going through the problems and feeling like there was they were very, very challenging. And But then I was encouraged because he would say, you know, this is something that you have to practice every day. You can't just practice once in a while. And this is something that, you know, it's like going to the gym and you're working out and you're putting in the time consistently. Then you'll see that your, your muscles will get stronger because your reading muscles are are like muscles. And, and the more you do it, the more you have a good habit of doing them, the better they will get. And so when I first tried these problems, even now, actually, when I tried these reading problems with Paduk Doctor, I would pause the video before he went into the solution. And I would stare at this problem and just try to visualize the answer as much as I could. Now, if you feel that just trying that is very overwhelming, I would suggest maybe finding easier problems. If it's very overwhelming and you don't see like the first step as to like what you should do, then maybe that problem is a little too difficult for you. Because I think that when you look at a reading problem, you should have some ideas forming. Like you should look at the problem and say, hey, I think there's a couple things I can try here. And then you should be able to try them. But if you look at a problem and you're just, you feel like you have a blank, you know, blank brain and you don't know what to do, you just, you don't even see any sequences that I think that's a sign usually that the problem is, is too difficult for you. So when I would go through these problems, I would try to read as much as I can before I continued with Paduk Doctor's explanation of the, the answer. And I would solve the problem and find the right line, but I would always miss, almost always miss a line or two. Because when I pressed play, he would go over the lines and then he would, it's very satisfying to see not only your solution be the correct one, but the ones that you've deemed incorrect to see that the refutation is also in line with what he's teaching and the one that he shows on the board. But I would follow along, nodding my head, going like, yep, yep, I read that, I read that, I read that. But then he would go to another move that I just forgot to you know, explore. I'm like, oh my goodness, I didn't, I didn't think of White playing over there for some reason. I just did, that didn't occur to me that White could play over there or that that would even do anything. And so every time I would try to read as much as I could, 100%, but then Paduk Doctor's review would always catch me off guard with this move that I just didn't see um, studying. And then one, one other thing that Paduk Doctor emphasizes and always tells you is that if you are having trouble reading, eventually your reading strength gets to a point where you will be able to do more than two stones, right? You're going to be able to do th two, three, four, five, six stones. And once you get to that point, you're going to start losing the first few stones that you placed in your head. So you're going to read stone one, black two, three, four, 
five and then you come back to this area where you need to remember where stone one was placed and you forget and and Paduk doctor says that's very normal to lose the stones in your head as you're reading along just reset and start again and this is the kind of training that helps you keep all of that visualization as consistent as possible um, during the game or if you're ever going to play a game if, if you make mistakes during your reading problems you can try to make as the least amount of mistakes you can and then the more you do that the better your game will actually be i want to talk next about a uh, study that kind of made me think about what reading really is and the thing is that reading yes it is very much visualizing every single stone but I think that sometimes we look at stronger players and you see how much they read and you think that they have some superpower to predict the stones and visualize on the board. But in reality, a lot of the time, there's a certain amount of pattern recognition going on that's disguised as reading. Um, and let me tell you about the study that makes me think about this. So there's this guy named Adrian de Groot. Uh, and he's a Dutch psychologist and a chess amateur. And this was back in the 1940s. He studied a chess expert's ability to memorize positions on the board. Basically, he gave certain board positions to grandmasters, masters, chess experts, and just regular you know, club players. And found that when you look at the their abilities to memorize certain board positions that the grandmasters and masters were able to recall the location of 93% of the pieces the experts remembered 72% of the pieces and the class players represent uh, remembered 51% of the pieces and um, the masters and above also showed an, a remarkable ability to uh, reconstruct a chess position perfectly, almost perfectly, after viewing it for only five seconds. So you can clearly see there is some level of um, the the mastery of chess coming into play in terms of memorizing board positions. This is kind of expected, right? You look at a chess board, you show it to like a non-chess player, they're not going to remember a single thing. But you show it to someone who understands the game, they understand the relationship between the pieces, and they can under they can memorize this much faster. But there's a second half to this study. Um, De Groot also rearranged these boards in positions that made absolute no sense. So before they were she went showing uh, positions that were actually you know things that would come up in an actual game. But now they rearranged it in a way that the pieces didn't have a good relationship with each other that made sense that would actually come up in an actual game and they were completely randomized and the, he found that the the masters the experts the regular players they all had the same ability to memorize those types of positions what does this mean this means that the grandmasters and masters are not great chess players because they have some kind of exceptional ability to memorize positions it means that they have learned a lot of chunks of knowledge that they can use to construct positions so that means that there are patterns that the higher level players recognize that the lower players cannot recognize 
And so that says a lot about what reading really is. Because reading in Go, I think, is a lot like reading words. When we read a sentence, well, when we read it for the first time, we encounter many new words and we have to use the letters that we know and the sounds that they make to actually sound out a lot of the new words that we read. But when we read after we've become more experienced in reading, we don't actually sound out every word we see. We actually see these words as symbols. And there's a funny um, experiment that you can do. If you write out a sentence and you scramble all the letters in each word where the first and last letters are, are kept. For example, if you're spelling the word reading, you would keep R in the front and G in the back, but you would scramble all the middle letters, right? And you do this for an entire sentence, you find that you can actually read the sentence quite easily. And this is because we store a lot of words as symbols rather than us trying to sound out every letter and looking at the exact uh, order of the words. And so that just means that we are storing this information in chunks. And whenever we encounter a new word, if they're spelled with knowledge that we have before, then they are very easily read by us. Like let's, let's say for example, there's a word plinder. It's not a real word. I don't think it is, but it sounds something like other things that we have read. There's an ER at the end. There's a very common English, um, you know, a phoneme or morpheme that, that uh, appears in a lot of different words. It looks like the word plunder, but has a misplaced vowel, I, right? And so we can use a lot of these this chunks of knowledge to say, you know, read this word very easily. But you can also see that you can make a mistake if a word like this showed up. If you're reading very quickly and you're not paying too much attention, you might actually just read it as plunder and miss that it's actually spelled plunder. And I feel like that kind of relates to how we make mistakes in Go because we use these chunks of knowledge to our advantage to construct reading uh, our reading ability, but sometimes this can be our detriment, right? Let me make another analogy here and because I feel like this reading concept kind of goes uh, and covers a lot of different fields like math, right? For example, in math, we just memorize our multiplication tables, right? We know that six times nine is 54. We don't add six, nine times every time we have to think six times nine. There are certain things we just memorize. But if we memorize our times tables and we remember like, okay, what's three times three is nine. What's four times five is 20. We memorize all that, but we don't actually understand what we are memorizing. Like we don't understand the concept of multiplication. If someone gives you a new problem that you haven't memorized, like six times 12, you're going to fail, right? But if you understand that six times 12 is really just six times nine, except you do it a little more and you do, you, you add up six 12 times, you can figure out, right? Six times 12 is 72. And this is, I feel like, 
something that happens in Go as well. Because if you look at certain problems and you look at the solution and you see the stones getting captured, you may think that you understand it. You may think, oh, okay, that's that's cool. Like that's the solution. But if you haven't thought through the process of why every single move is played, when you get a new problem, you won't be able to understand the um, the reason why, uh, or you won't be able to solve that problem as you may be able to solve other problems that you have encountered already. So it's important to learn these basic concepts, but also to understand the basic concepts, um, which allows us to chunk off our knowledge and advance to the next levels of reading, where we're actually not reading a lot of, of stones in our head. A lot of them are shortened, right, in our head. But there are definitely pitfalls to that, even if you understand the chunk that you're studying, maybe it's a Tsuji, right? Uh, let me share with you an experience that I had recently where I am learning a new Tsuji and I recognize that Tsuji appearing in the game. And I would normally have tried to play a certain move and recognizing that Tsuji, I said, oh, okay, that move actually doesn't work because they have this Tsuji that they can play to disconnect my group. And so I did not play the move but later in review, I realized that in this particular situation, the Tsuji doesn't actually work. And I could have just played what I wanted to. And um, that was a real shame to me because if I had taken the time to actually read and verify the Tsuji, I would have probably made the better move there. Same thing goes for Joseki. And this is something that happened to me as well recently when I someone played off Joseki and I played what you normally play during the Joseki, which turned out to be not the right move because when I looked at the game again later on, I saw that if I had just read, I would have been able to kill a huge group of stones because they forgot that one move that they didn't play that's supposed to be played in, in the Joseki. And so you have to balance your book knowledge and your chunks of learning with practical skills. And those practical skills, that's reading. Um, and when you study reading, it's important to study problems that are at your own level. Let me tell you about something that I've done, which is I would take a reading problem or a you know life and death problem that I was struggling with, and I would try to memorize all of the stones in the problem, the positioning, and then I would not look at it, and I would try to solve it in my head while I ate my dinner. And... That's not a strategy for learning that I would recommend to anyone because these problems that I had, well, maybe if it's an easier problem, you can try it. If it takes you five minutes to solve it, maybe try it out. But these problems that I tried, they were taking like 30 minutes to an hour to solve and it was really difficult and I thought I was improving my reading skills, but I don't think I was doing that because you have to solve problems at your own level. Imagine someone who doesn't understand much English and they're studying English and you give them Curious George to read and they look through the book and they can't read it. They don't understand what's going on and they realize, oh, I'm so bad at reading. I need to study harder. And then they so they go to the library and they pick up a copy of Hamlet and they spend hours a day every day studying Hamlet 
when they can't even understand basic picture books for children. You would immediately say, like, this is not the way to study English. You don't go straight to Shakespeare, something that even common, you know, English native speakers don't really understand either. This is not something that you should be studying. You should be studying basic practical things. And so when you study reading problems, make sure they're at your own level because allow, allowing ourselves to learn the easier problems gives us the basic foundation to build on top of to advance to the next concepts. Re and that's the next thing I want to talk about is reading concepts. Reading isn't just about placing stones on the board. There's a lot of reading and a lot of experience um, teaches you that there are certain concepts in reading. And that's basically just to say that there's importance in knowing what to read before you learn certain concepts. For example, a snapback. You may not even think about doing that. You may not think about throwing in your own stone for your enemy to capture because if you haven't heard of a snapback before, then it's like that's illogical. You wouldn't want to read that line. But once you learn about what a snapback is and what kind of environments create snapbacks, that's something that's going to be on your mind in future reading problems. More concepts that you need to know as, and as you do more reading problems, the ones that you learn, are concepts like creating a false eye or oshitsubushi or many unnamed concepts. There's a lot of concepts that I feel like I, I practice during reading problems and I remember certain shapes and concepts that I use in terms of solving the problem and they don't really have names for them. They're just very abstract and it's just, I can't really even describe them to you because I don't remember any of them. I just know when I see a problem on the go board, oh, this is like that one thing that happens when the stones are in this shape. And on top of all that, a single reading con problem might have multiple concepts involved. So as you do more reading problems, you understand more concepts. And once you understand these concepts, you know what to read. And so this gives you a lot more direction in terms of what you should be doing. And sometimes if you look at a stronger player, try to solve a problem or a board position, they'll immediately go a certain route and you may if you don't know what they're thinking about you may be dumbfounded as to like how did you know to do that that's because they understand certain concepts that apply to certain scenarios and they're trying certain things out that can be obvious to them when they look at the board but uh that just takes some experience and and there's a lot of uh, interesting things that can happen on the board that you can learn uh, just by doing a lot of reading problems um, but of course this whole episode about reading, it's not just about making sure you read everything. You can't read everything. Um, something that I'm trying to do is find a balance in my games. Whether I'm being too aggressive or too defensive, whether I'm not playing solid enough or I'm playing too solid, playing too many gote moves, trying to use too many forcing moves. There's a lot of yins and yangs in Go. And trying to find that balance requires you to reflect on the way you've been playing. And it reminds me of a time when I was learning how to play tennis and my coach was teaching me how to serve. And what I would do is when I tried to serve, it would go way too far every single time. And so my 
coach noticed this problem and said, hey, Justin, why don't you hit the net? Okay, don't even get it over the net. I want you to hit the net. And I tried to hit the net and I would go over it. Even though he told me to hit the net, I would go over it. And he's like, no, you got to hit the net, hit it, like hit the net or hit before the net even. Don't get it over. And after a few times, I finally hit the net. I got it um, before the net. And finding that I couldn't reel it back was a big revelation to me. And maybe that's something that happens a lot for GOAT players as well. When you tell someone, hey, you're playing really aggressively. Why don't you tone it down? and play more defensively. They'll find themselves trying to play aggressively. Again, they'll they'll be like I'm trying to play defensively, but it's just it's too aggressive. So maybe you have to do something even more drastic and say don't even, you know, don't lose a single stone in this game or something like that. I wouldn't go that far, but um I just couldn't think of like um the better way to to say don't, you know, hit the net, right? Um but this is something uh, that needs to be done with reading as well. There are people, I think, it's more common that you don't read enough. When you play moves, you just kind of play the ones that look like they work, and you just kind of skip through the reading step. And that will work sometimes. But there are also people who read too much. They spend too much time in positions where you don't need to read and they have time trouble, right? You read too much and you will lose the game as well. Uh, most people, again, like I'll say that they probably don't read enough, but a lot of people read too much and they read in the wrong situation. So this is something that we need to find a balance for as well. Okay, that was reading. And with that, we're going to go into Go News. We'll have a, an update on the Samsung Cup, an exciting development. We've got um, the semi-finalists uh, of the Samsung Cup, and I'll, I'll reveal those later after I go over some of the quarterfinal results. Shinjin Saw falls to She Er Hao, uh, but not before taking down Xu Hao Hong in the previous round. So Xu Hao Hong was taken down by Shinjin Sa, so that's the Ch Taiwanese player who um, won the gold medal of the Asian Games. But Shinjin Sa was robbed of his chance of winning the Samsung Cup by She or Hao. Xu Jiayang beat Gu Hao, and then Ding Hao defeated Kim Myung-hun, and Pak Jong-hwan defeated Lian Xiao. So the quarterfinalists, I mean the semifinalists, being She or Hao, Xu Jiayang, and Ding Hao, and Pak Jong-hwan. The semifinals of the Samsung Cup, Sheher Hao defeats Zhu Jiayang. I'm struggling with the names here. Forgive me. Uh, and then um, Pak Jong-hwan, the only Korean left uh, among the Chinese finalists, lost to Ding Hao, meaning the final uh, of the Samsung Cup will be between Xie Er Hao and Ding Hao, which I will keep you updated on in the upcoming episode. Um, in a bit of a, a little bit of a Western Go news, um, Michael Chen made an appearance for the Gotham Go Fall tournament, which was held in New York City. Uh, this was a while back in November 11th to 12th. And there were 107 contestants and Michael Chen took the first place while uh, Jeremy Chu took second and Lambert Lee was third. And with that, it's time for listener mail. 
before we get into this week's listener mail, I do want to give a few more shout outs. A couple weeks ago, I did an episode and commented on some of the great creators for this guild community. And there were some key players I want to give an extra shout out to, um, particularly Clausius, otherwise known as Sean Ray. Um, I think he's definitely been one of the more prominent uh, go youtuber streamers out there and he's got the, the he's the one who created the classy method which is probably one of the clearest explanations of what you should be doing during the game um, so check out Clausius uh, and we've got telegraph go who's been active recently as well takumi go academy which has um, also been pumping out some good content draco's go uh, simple paduk uh, and then Yoon's Paduk Cafe. And I'm sure I'm still leaving out a lot and I'll just try to give as many shout outs as I can. But those are some of the ones I left out a couple weeks ago. Um, speaking of content creators, one of you guys uh, let Ben Ben Kyo know about Starpoint and he dropped a lovely comment on my channel. Let me read it for you. Nice podcast, this is very cool. Thanks also for the shout out. My community pointed me here, so here I am, and it was a nice listen. I'm actually considering doing something similar myself. During streams, I often get into a really thoughtful mode and can go on and on about stuff for hours. So maybe a podcast would be perfect. I'm still also considering a sort of walk-in talk vloggy sort of format for it too, an excuse to be outside more. I don't think I want to gear up too heavily though. If it's too windy or noisy, I could do it with a phone or maybe a clip mic. Then I'll be even more in favor of a podcast format. I also really like both the name and aesthetic you've got going for this. Clean and on point. Ha ha ha. Thank you so much for writing in Ben Kyo. Um, I love your content, as I've mentioned in the uh, previous uh, or the web episode from two weeks ago. And uh, I love that kind of content. I mean, I'm creating this kind of content because I want more uh, content that I can listen to without really paying too much attention to the board. So if you ever do that, um, I'll definitely be uh, a watcher of that content. Thank you for your lovely comment, Ben Kyo. Mon Wee writes, I used to think I had a bad memory. I have never remembered dates in history classes or countries and their capitals in geography classes. You hear many people say things about being bad at remembering things, but after getting into language learning as an adult, I think the vast majority of those people would be very capable of memorizing what they think is too much for them. Oh yeah, that's that's definitely related to all the stuff I've been talking about earlier because we learn relationships and concepts, not not like and uh, we're not like computers that memorize binary code, right? Uh, continuing on, it's just that in school, even university for most programs, I would think, you never have to retain that much information for that long and be forced to learn how to memorize information. Plus, there might be subjects you don't really care about in the first place. I feel like a lot of Go videos focus on making videos helpful to someone trying to get better at the game, but there's very little in terms of Go for fun targeted at a more casual audience, compared to chess, some popular video types that don't or barely exist for Go. For example, guess the rank of players by guessing playing through their games so people can show off their cool slash funny moments from their games. Another example, a match between the communities or two content creators of two content creators. I get there are differences between games. For example, games are much longer in Go, especially in terms of number of moves, but there are still a lot of unexplored areas in my opinion. Another YouTuber I've enjoyed, Draco's Go. Yes, uh, you're preaching to the choir here. Yes, I, I totally agree with all of that. I think there's a lot of potential for Go content and uh, guess the rank um, is definitely a common um, type of content, not even just, but like in a lot of other like video games, like 
they like to look at footage and guess the rank. And I think some content, I feel like I've seen someone do, it might've been Dwyron, but I feel like I've seen this before where people try to guess the rank. But I think that is definitely a creative piece of content that you can just, you know, uh, look through without paying too much attention to it and have some casual fun. Thank you for your contribution, Mon Wee. Uh, Plixic writes in again, we have some great content creators in the community like yourself. Well, thank you so much. But I think that what we need most of all is another big piece of media that highlights the game and gets people interested. Most of us wouldn't know about the game if not for Hikaru no Go or AlphaGo. Yes, I agree. Yes, I hope I like all I want is just this like big popular like go movie or series that makes it mainstream, but it's that's a lot to ask for. And my hopes were in that one Korean Netflix. I know that's not going to probably be like a huge phenomenon like The Queen's Gambit, but the the one called The Match that's about um Lee Chang-ho and uh, Cho Eun-yeon. That's been delayed indefinitely because of the scandal of one of the actors. It's such a huge disappointment. I'm still waiting on what happens with that thing. But yeah, I mean, it's, a, it's something that we can hope for. But uh, in the meantime, all we got is us lowly content creators to try to promote the game. Um, thanks for writing in again, Plixic. Uh, North Center Photo writes, Hey yo, just stumbled on this and honestly love it so much. I'm torn between listening to the episodes in order or jumping to topics that are of particular interest, but either way, they're great so far. Please keep at it. Well, welcome aboard and thank you for listening. Uh, you can listen however you wish. Um, and thank you for your comment. Uh, Twerda, Twerda, I've mentioned him in the uh, content creator episode, uh, writes, always interesting for me to see that people recognize me better for the guest stuff I did with Spirit Animal than for my own content. Maybe a lot of it was motivated by the interaction between the two of us. Anyway, it seems like a chance for a shameless self-promo. Twerda, I will definitely give you a shout out here. If you look at Twerda, he, he's, he's got um, a YouTube channel of his own with some great tips that I've also checked out in the past. Sorry that I missed your channel in the content creator shout out. Um, I think it's because Spirit Animal did a little bit of promo on Reddit and uh, got some following from that. Um, so. Uh, I'd love to see more of your content, Twerda, and uh, I think uh, you've got some good uh, insightful things to say based on the stuff I've seen from you, so thanks for writing in. And finally, we got Chickpea Milkshake writing in saying, Contraband Go is not new. He's been making content with Triton for nearly a decade on their co-channel called Cats Play Go, and there's even a KGS room under social for Cats Play Go. Oh, right, there is that shared channel. I, I did, haven't been as familiarized with that channel, but I do remember, yes, they had this partnership going. And so yes, Contraband Go is just as old on the content creator platform as Triton. Um, so thanks for the correction there, Chickpea Milkshake. And thank you all for writing in. Uh, what's our question of the week this week? Um, I just wanna know, do you read? <laughs> Are you good at reading? How do you feel about your reading ability? I feel like it's um, something that I need to develop a better habit for. And um, tr especially during those moments where I feel like I know the concept that's being applied in that specific situation, I need to have more discipline to learn how to read. I want to know what you guys feel about your reading ability, whether it's important or not, and whether you're good at applying it in your games or not. And maybe any stories that you have related to whether you should read or not, let me know. Um, and you can comment wherever you're listening, uh, whether it's on Reddit or YouTube, or shoot an email to starpointbaduk at gmail.com. That's starpointbaduk at gmail.com.
gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening and keep playing Go. Thank you.